Hello. Yellow. Greetings. Greetings. And welcome to the Game for the Culture podcast. Ah! Here with your host, Gabriel Martinez. We have a special guest today. Uh, tonight, you know, a close confidant of mine. He's been doing some great things in the world, uh, especially with his nonprofit city. Mr. City himself, Tex Wim Ruin. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, it's an honor to be on this podcast, my sir. I look forward to having a very enjoyable discourse and developing ourselves as individuals and how people can learn from our words. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The Game for the Culture podcast is a podcast about Black excellence and Black entrepreneurship. Here at, here at Game for the Culture podcast, for the culture, we're putting people on game about health, wealth, and finance. Please tune in and support. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get right into it, man. You know what I'm saying? Tex, Tex what do you do? Uh, what do I do? So uh, in terms of my work or just what I do in general? What do, what is, who is Tex Wambui? And what does text when we do for society and the economy? Well, what I do is I facilitate uh, myself into society and communities by engaging with people. Um, started this at a very young age. Um, and it's something that I hope to keep doing for a very long time because um, that's just what life is about making the people around you better and always making yourself better. Um, in terms of who Tex Wambui is, um, Tex Wambui myself is a UC Davis alumni, um, which took a lot of work and effort to, to get, uh, a future law student, and uh, somebody who will be considered an African-American. But I don't say that in any way for anybody to take it out of contest. I am an African-American man. And proud to be it. So I am here to play as a part of myself in society. Um, I like to sleep a lot. It's one of my biggest things, one of my best things to do, rejuvenate, um, ensure that I get a lot of liquids in me. I, my favorite drink is milk and water. I didn't, I didn't ask you about <laughs> Well, you told me to tell you about myself, so... Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who is Tex Wimbley? What do you do? All that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But exactly. Um, continue. Go ahead. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. So as I was saying, so, yeah, I like milk and water. Um, and I like to emphasize that to everybody else that it's very important to uh, get your milk and get your water because, you know, staying hydrated is very important. And that's who Tex is. I always try to stay hydrated. Because the more hydrated you are, the better results you can get for yourself. Um, currently, right now, I specifically in terms of my professional development, I do have a nonprofit, as you said, something that I have been doing since sophomore year in college. Um, it was inspired by uh, just seeing people impact their communities in so many different ways. So I figured, why not me? Why not put myself in that position to do those things? Um, in addition, I think that it's very important 
to understand organizational structures. And that is the reason why I chose to put myself in that field so that I can just be that beacon of change. Additionally, I'm a big, big, uh, you know, I love love and romance, but not in the way that people think. So I published my first book, uh, which was a book called Humble Beginnings, Chronicles of a Life. Um, and in the second book, which is called Questions, Chronicles of a Life, um, in the second book, that's when the nonprofit became something. And in the second book, that's where the name organization came from. It's called City, which stands for Stay and True to Yourself. And the whole goal of the organization is to improve the lives of individuals and groups by facilitating this necessary discussion of how to value self and community. Um, and so far, we've been able to provide scholarships, um, conduct two internship programs, um, and at the same time, um, volunteer into helping other organizations uh, grow and developing workshops that enhance the youth um, within the Sacramento community, uh, Yolo County community, and potentially is to grow it to a national level and to expand the program to that. Um, also, the organization does serve to the international community. Um, as an African-American male, I believe it is my duty to play my part and ensure that my people are being elevated and uplifted. So that's where the international aspect comes in, in terms of the ideal of Pan-Africanism where it's important for us African-Americans to realize our essence in the economic development of this country and how we can further ourselves as people. Um, but apart from that, uh, I do have two other books from the Chronicles of a Life series. The third book is called, um, blanking out on my own book, wow. The third book is called Outrageous Cry, Chronicles of a Life. Fourth book is called uh, "Smoky and Spicy Chronicles of a Life." Um, Smoky and spicy. Yes, it was a it was a very smoky and spicy book. So if you guys get the chance to check it out, it's all available on Amazon, or you can go all on, available on Amazon, or you can go on uh, the www.staytruetoyourself.com and get yourself a copy. And uh, if you get yourself a copy, just know that you are part of a class now. You are part of a community that will be exposed to specific knowledge and specific information. So if you're interested, go join in. But yeah, apart from that, that's who Tex Rambui is. There's more to Tex Rambui. Um, but as of now, that's as much as I can tell you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> Appreciate you, Tex Rambui, for introducing yourself and telling us what you do here at the game for the culture podcast. We love to hear about what people have done, what people have, are doing and what they are planning to do in their life. And not only their lives make change in their community, but not only their community, but the black community as a whole. We are, yes, sir. we are people and we should choose to rise up together. <sighs> what you said there, uh, essence in an economic development of community really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. uh, the black community, I feel like due to uh, media engagement, 
they have a false narrative when it comes to the economic development of, you know, where they where where their place in this country's economic development. Um, so glad glad that you can illuminate on that, sir. Appreciate you, definitely. <sighs> um, but yeah, you want me to speak more on that? Yes, sir. Please do. Uh, well, yeah. The reason I say that is because you know we're we're having a talk on the, you know the rise of black businesses. Mm-hmm. So, uh, African Americans have played a profound um, role in shaping the U.S. business landscape. Um, you know, so? in terms of when you look at technological innovations like the traffic light, um, automatic elevator doors. Uh, damn near even um, caller ID, you know, they all came from the black community. Um, black uh, even like the peanut butter, you know, people eat a lot of peanut butter. And, the, the, and we all know about that guy. We all know about that guy. Well, actually, actually, I said we don't know. Actually, for the people, people on the podcast that aren't, uh, you know, uh, history savvy, could you enlighten us upon who we're talking about? Uh, George Darby Carver. That was the man that made peanut butter, invented peanut butter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. So, you know, we just had Black History Month last month. So in honor of the Black History Month, what I would like to say, um, black, black businesses have come a long way. Um, and what we can say is that from these innovations that we've had, there's been an emergence of, you know, rich black people. But when do you hear people talking about them? Never. When do you, never when do you hear people say, Oh my god, my neighbor is an African American man, he does a lot for his community, he invented this. You never hear that. So I feel like we need to emphasize that first is recognizing the black people out there that have done their job in shaping the United States business landscape. Um and historically, black owned companies like um Madam CJ Walker's hair care line. Um, and also like the businesses that formed in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they were direct response to the racial inequity and inequality that was happening in the United States. Um, so when it comes to the rise of black business, the black, black, black businesses, mm-hmm. you know, the black community's long history of entrepreneurship, you know, it's always looked at in the wrong way. People forget that. What do you mean by the wrong way? Because people forget that this country's backbone and economic backbone was developed and shaped by African-Americans. Um, you know, the reconstruction era, the period after the civil war, we saw a sharp rise in the number of black owned businesses as the country attempted, you know, to right some of the inequities of slavery. But in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, there was this resurgence of the Jim Crow laws, which kind of enforced racial segregation. And then it coupled with like the Great Depression, which as a result led to the decline of black entrepreneurships. Um, mm. And I've heard from people that you know, black businesses were targeted and actually historically you can look at that black businesses were targeted and we saw like a rollback in the advancement that were made previously. 
So when we look at it now, the rate of black business, uh, black business creation uh, continued to rise and fall throughout the 20th and 21st century. And then increasing in the 90s and then dipping during the 2008 recession um, and rising again post-recession. Which kind of shows you how, in terms of historically, the rise of black businesses has always been fluctuating, but now there's a new resurgence of this. Um, and in recent years, you know, the number of black owned businesses has risen dramatically with black women feeling much of the growth. That's something people forget. Um, like specifically, one name that people will never forget, Oprah Winfrey. Okay. Um, she's arguably the most notable black female entrepreneur. Uh, she became the first black American billionaire. And just in the last five years, I think we've had four or five African-Americans um, reach that uh, billionaire class. But at the same time, even, we ha even though we have this much for momentum, you know, black entrepreneurs still face a number of challenges, um, like primarily, you know, a lack of access to capital, you know. So that's mm -hmm. something that we kind of need to address is why is there a lack of access to capital for African-Americans? Um, even though we know that we have the creativity, the knowledge, even the manpower, but we, when we don't have access to this capital, our ideas come to a standstill and they're either stolen or manipulated in some way. And then that credit gets taken away from those people. And then that impacts the community immensely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, many of the black 2020, you know, 30 under 30 list makers, they also kind of echo that statement right now. Um, they also note that like black communities collective ability to preserve against all odds could use a little bit more in terms of like, we can, we can add a little bit more fuel into it. We need to pump a little more gas into it as a, as a, what do you mean by fuel? What would the fuel be? I think that we kind of need to take ownership of our things firsthand. Um, understanding uh, the economy mm. Maybe mm. reading more books on how we can um, enhance ourselves. Um, also, not even just have you not have even you just have books. you enhanced yourself? How have I enhanced myself? Now, have you have? Would you say that you have enhanced yourself as a black man in the community? Uh, I would love to say yes, but at the same time, I still know that the world, or specifically the parameters I am in there's still limitations that are going to be put against me just because of my identity. But at the same time, I haven't enhanced myself. One, I'm not a statistic. I am not somebody who is going to be talked to like, I don't mean something. So yes, I understand who I am. Two, I have a college degree and I'm also in pursuit of other credentials because apparently credentials is one of the only things in this country that, you know, gives you the power to have such capital. So, mm, mm, I would, okay. I so, would, credentials is is the fuel. Is, is would you say? I wouldn't say just credentials. I would just say in terms of the, how we conduct ourselves in our households. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? 
So <clears throat> from what I got is that you're saying because of the perimeter that we live in, of course, we're not going to be have the same access as black men in society. We're not going to have the same access and black men and women in business as entrepreneurs are not going to have the same access to capital, say, our uh, white counterparts will have per se right yeah but you're saying the, the way that we're going to be able to fuel this uh this cataclysmic uh so to say economic change in 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 the landscape is it's going to be through how black people view themselves at home and as well you're saying taking ownership of you know the things that we create the things we do the things we involve ourselves in yes yeah um yeah the reason i say that is because one i've i'm a history junkie okay like i love to understand history and understand patterns of how history go like if if Mm. we were to look at like a timeline of you know black businesses uh like in 1821 uh we had the first black patent holder um who had the prototype of the modern dre dry cleaning um, who was Thomas Jennings. And then in 1906, that's when Madam C.J. Walker creates the hair care line that, you know, which later a game rec- recognition as the first self-made. She became like this first self-made uh, female millionaire. And then 1933, we had the first known African-American to graduate from Harvard, school, uh, Harvard Business School, which was uh fits her fits Hugh. i don't know if i'm saying his name his name correctly and then in 1969 we had um what's that guy's name uh warren wheeler he uh establishes the wheeler airlines you know it was the first black owned and operated air service in the u.s um and in 1971 we had the first black owned business on the american stock exchange which was the um Joanne and George Johnson Hair Company, which I think is the Johnson Products. And then if you look at it, 1992, we had the head of TLC uh, Beatrice International, Mr. Reginald Lewis. He became the first African-American to own a company with one billion in sales. And then 1999, uh, I think we had the first black CEO of a Fortune 500 company, um, who was Franklin Reigns. And he took over Fannie Mae. You know, when people say, I paid off Sally Mae, I think that's what Fannie Mae is. But Mr. Franklin Reigns, he became the first black CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, and then if you look recently wow. in the 2000s era, um, Robert L. Johnson, he became the first national, uh, first nation, not national, first nation's black billionaire after selling... Um, the cable network, uh, what's that network? The BET to Viacom. So you can, mm, we mm. can see like, you know, in the 20th century, we still had that impact in our society and we still kind of do right now because historically speaking, the rise of black businesses is something that is needed to expand the economy. So we need to invest in black businesses. And you look at it in 2001, we had, um, Ruth Simmons, who was sworn in as the 18th president of uh, Ivy League school, I think it was Brown University, where she's the first African um, American president of an Ivy League school. 
Um, and just things like that, where we have people in such positions just shows the long, long history of why it's important to invest specifically in African-Americans, because when you look at it, we need our community to create its own sustainability because we had our own Wall Street. We had our own Black Wall Street. But what happened? We what did. Happened? Would you like to would you like to illuminate us on what actually happened to Black Wall Street? Uh, that I don't want to touch into because I don't want to say anything wrong about it. Uh, True. So, but I do know that happened. And then when you look at it in his in history in 2002, um, we had the first African American uh, develop a, a luxury hotel company. Um, but that guy, I think, was uh, he was African American, but he was also descendant of other things. But at the same time, when you're in this country and you have some black in you, you're black. And then you know, in 2003, that's when Oprah became the first black female billionaire. And then now let's look at it. We just had our first black president, okay? And then we had our first female vice president. But at the same time, I still feel like there's still a lack in appreciating black businesses because there's always going to be that stigma about, you know, black is inferior or black is this. When in reality, no, we run shit. We make up shit. We are the people who own most of these businesses that people don't know about. And that's a problem too. Why do people not know about it? That's something that we should focus more on is how do we expand the economy? Because this economy will not be possible without the African-Americans in it. Mm. You know, because when you look at it, black people compromise, I think approximately maybe 15% of our U.S. population. But Black businesses compromise only 2.2% of the nation, um, which is kind of something we need to focus in as a black community. I think that's something that we need to feel ourselves to. So I think in the, in a community, yes, though. I think as a community, we need to feel, you know, black business growth um, rather than just providing, you know, capital, even though capital is very important. You know, it requires uh, like leaders in financial institutions, philanthropy, <laughs> government corporations and investors, to, you know, to align and collaborate towards a clear set of goals, you know, that address the systemic barriers that are there. Um, and, you know, it starts from from supportive policy to representative leadership. And it is critical that, you know, we work together to build an economy that reflects America's, you know, so-called promise. But we, as a Black community, need to create our own promise where we're focusing on supporting Black-owned businesses as Black people because it's important to do that. It's important to circulate that money within our community. We don't need to be investing our money in communities that are not beneficial to us. Even though it's important to have allies, what we need to do is reinvest back into ourselves so we can create that generational wealth so our future generation have something to build upon. But to reinvest into ourselves, don't we need to have, you know, ourselves in these different fields so that we can invest into them? You feel me? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I I feel like we need to grow one awareness of the rich history that African-Americans have in this country. And then by understanding our historical significance of the backbone of this country, why it's important for us to value that 
And when we value that, we need to increase our way of approach. Um, I don't want to sound like somebody who does not, you know, have some sort of understanding of what happened in historical past of what, why we are the way we are now, but we should always try to strive for better. And the way we can do that is one, as black people, support our own businesses. If you see a fellow black person trying to start a business, you better support them. Because if you're not supporting them, who's going to support them? Because clearly, historically, they have not been supported. Everything they have to go through is a barrier. So why don't you help them jump mm. over that barrier? Does that You see what I'm saying here? Yeah, see the community, and that's the way the community reinvests reinvests back into itself. Yeah. Just, they're not going to get the support. They're not going to get the uh, like you like you said. They're not going to get what they need outside of else. They're they're barred and excluded from all these different mm-hmm. places. So you know, historically, you know, black owned businesses tend to always experience that disparity or discrimination. And also, if you look at it right now, in so many ways, the pandemic, you know, has really amplified the inequalities of wealth and, you know, the access gap that African-American businesses face. Um, I read an article, I think, a couple of weeks ago on Forbes that said um, April of 2020, the nation lost close to 450,000 black-owned businesses. That's a lot. That is a lot. You know, because that creates a roadblock to access the capital in the survival mm. of black-owned businesses. So no matter how great a product or service, you know, that thing was, and now it's not available to people because pandemic hit and then that's when you know all these behind the scene things kind of happen but you know thankful to you know thankful to the government relief programs you know some black business owners you know were able to receive funding um kind of you know get their business back going but for you know for many small businesses owners you know this was like a foreign process to them so they kind of struggled to get right to you know obtaining information to how you know they can get that uh that small business uh, loan and then that uh, mm-hmm. it... payment protection plan. Yep. Hello. We're experiencing technical difficulties at the moment. Please bear with us. Can you, still hear... Can you hear me? Hello. There we go. All right. Awesome. And he's back. But yeah. Um, yeah. What, is, what you got? What you got on this, man? Because you know the rise of black business is something we need to raise awareness of, uh, and we need to get more of our people out there, man. We need to get people educated, people understanding. Like, you know, it has to start with you, and that's why I'm glad I got the city thing going because it emphasizes the self. The self is important because when you understand yourself, it gives you a better way of understanding your community and how you can do that. And especially as a black man. What else is better understanding yourself first? Because if you can understand your historical significance, then you have a way better chance of making an impact in your community. Because when you don't know anything, how are you going to do anything, you know? Exactly. Like, <clears throat> you know, what's, what's, what do people say? Um, I was just reading this uh, the other day. 
uh, you say learners are earners, and as well, mm-hmm. uh, what was the word? It was like something about like to do it, you gotta use it to do it, or something, something like that. I don't know, but yeah, man, why be the change, be the change that be you want to see. That you exactly as you want to see. And I would like to quote one great person that's always says that. You can go check out him on Instagram. He posts that every day. Be the change that you want to see. I think his at name is at the Vern. You can go see that. And he says that every day. Be the change that you want to see. If you see something in your community that you want to change, start it. Be the beacon. Throw that you know, propeller, get that propeller going for your community. But also at the same time, Mm -hmm. don't forget who you are and why you're doing it. There's a bigger picture. And, you know, being a black entrepreneur, you know, it does mean you got to fight the odds on so many occasions, you know. Mm -hmm. You got to rise above, rise above. Because, you know, the support for black-owned businesses is far from sustainable. Um, I believe, you know, just because people look at you and they see who you are initially, you know, they have all these things that they want to think about, which is an issue that we are currently still facing. You know, it's we're in 2021. That's crazy. When, when you put it into like perspective, it, it is actually quite crazy that even in this day and age, we're still, we're still dealing with these, you know, lingering effects of, you know, what history has uh, put our people through, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Well, do you have anything else that you, that you would like to add, sir? No, you have any questions for me, sir? Um, You know, you kind of took it and went and ran a marathon with this, uh, you know, black excellence, rise of black business, um, using your historical <clears throat> analysis and, uh, going through your timeline, we have, uh, done well to have a quality discourse of the rise of black business. So I, you know, want to commend you and appreciate you for coming to the game for the culture podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, last thing I would like to say is that, for all the people out there listening, the change that you want to see can only start with yourself. There we go. And all of this, pursue your dream and seize the day. Pursue your dream and seize the day. Yes, sir. Carpe yes, diem. Sir. And we, carpe diem. You know what we like to say over here at uh, the Game for the Culture podcast? This is game. For the culture. Yes, sir. We're over here at Game for the Culture Podcast. We like to uh, guide our ambitions. We like to guide our ambitions to manifest our excellence. When we do these things, we'll be able to bring our dreams and seize the, and seize the day and bring it all into reality. But it all starts with making a plan and executing it. All right, here at the game, game for the culture podcast. Appreciate you, Mister Tex Wimbui, for coming and and showing love and dropping gems and knowledge on us. Coming, come back uh, for next week, and we'll have another guest for you. Appreciate you guys. All right, have a good one.